0: Hello and welcome back to the Gucci podcast. Recorded in Los Angeles, this special episode celebrates the Gucci X Aura Ring, a smart accessory that tracks the body's messages to provide personal insights that allow the wearer to own their potential. Presenting the ring and talking about well-being and mental health, our guest host, creator and entrepreneur, Chriselle Lim, in conversation with Olympic ski champion, author and entrepreneur, Lindsay Vaughn.
1: Hi, Lindsay. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Welcome to the Gucci Podcast. Thanks for having me. Great to see you. We are gonna be talking about all things mental health, wellness, something that I know that you feel very strongly about and something that I feel very strongly about. So it's gonna be a fun time today. Absolutely. And so before we dive into it, um, obviously everyone probably already knows who you are, but you are probably one of the all-time greatest skiers of our times. And I just want to personally know at uh, when you first started did you ever prioritize mental health and well-being because you were so young when you first started like was that even on top of mind for you and how has that changed for you over the years Well
0: thanks I'm I'm happy to be here with you also I mean for me you know mental health wasn't really a topic of conversation. I definitely went through my ups and downs and I um, I had depression since the age of 18, but I never talked about it. I didn't even tell my parents. Um, and, you know, as an athlete, you know, you were meant to be really strong. You know, you're not supposed to show weakness. And so, you know, I felt talking about it would show weakness and it wasn't something that I was willing to to show my competitors or let alone my friends and family. So I think you know, in the last few years, we've, as a society, gotten more open about talking about it. And I think that's really helped in so many ways, not just in sports, but um, for us as humans in general, because it really shouldn't be something that's stigmatized, it should be openly talked about. And, you know, everyone needs to find their own balance and their own physical well-being. So I think, you know, for me, it's been um, an up and down roller coaster with my own mental health, but um, I'm in a happy place now. And again, I'm glad that people are having this conversation more often.
1: I think that's so important because I think you being a public figure, especially as an athlete, you have to hold this kind of um, persona that you are stronger than everyone, like you have no weaknesses, but you're human, right? And we all have our moments. We all go through times where we're, we're doubting ourselves or we're feeling tired. But I could only imagine as an athlete um, just kind of, the suffering that you had to go through internally without being able to share that with the world. And how how were you able to deal with that? Like, were you just like, let's power through this. Let's just get through this. Did you have an outlet at the time? I
0: really didn't have an outlet. I really compartmentalized it. And, um, you know, I've found different ways of dealing with it. And the main thing that I found was skiing. You know, skiing was actually very therapeutic for me because I was able to kind of, you know, Put everything I was going through inside and then let it all out on the mountain. and and uh, which is why I think retirement for me was really hard because I no longer had that outlet and had to really, you know, face my own demons and you know, do a lot more therapy. and um, I was able to make a lot of progress emotionally and mentally um since retirement. but, but yeah, we're supposed to be stoic as athletes, you know, we're supposed to be larger than life and we have armor that's in, impenetrable, but that's really not true. And, you know, it's great that people like Michael Phelps and uh, Naomi Osaka, Simone Biles um, have all talked about it openly. You know, I think that's really helped and especially Naomi, you know, kind of on the world stage and, and Simone at the Olympics, you know, was um, I think really groundbreaking because I think with COVID as well, people were experiencing depression and mental health issues a lot more than normal. Um, And so I think it was a great time for that conversation to come up. And more people, I think, were open to listening about it and to sharing their experiences because of COVID.
1: So you came out with a book called Rise, which is incredible. I read bits and pieces of of it. And you really open up about kind of your struggles. And was, was it hard for you at first because people never really saw that side of you?
0: Um, I mean, I talked about it a bit in the past, you know, um, in 20, after my, I won the Olympics in 2010, I came out of, uh, and, and talked about my depression and, um, I got a lot of mixed reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people in Europe, um, were very confused by the fact that I was talking about it and, and America was much, uh, better received. Mm-hmm. Um, but my book, I think. Was important mainly for me to express my story, and I really wanted to share what I've been through in hopes that other people, you know, can relate and it helps them in their journey as well. But um, it took me a while to write that book. It took me like three years to but get it's through it.
1: Also, like normalizing the next generation of athletes as well, right? Like, what does a healthy, long, long career should look like versus something that you just kind of you know, quickly go through and hope that like, you know, your depression or your mental illness will go away, but I think between you and the other athletes just coming out with it, it's really inspiring the next generation of athletes.
0: Well, I think, you know, mental health should be looked at and approached the same way you look at physical health. You know, you, you should have a, a psychologist and you should have tools and learn the tools to be able to deal with it and, you know, have journals or talk to someone, whatever it is. Um, and that, again, I think um, just being able to be openly talking about it has really changed the way people approach it because it's incorporated now into athletes' plans and, you know, how people, how athletes and people develop from a young age, you know how everyone's dealing with it is just so much more advanced than it used to be, and it's it's so awesome to see that you know kids at a young age are now really thinking about mental health and how can they take care of themselves, and parents are thinking that way also. So I think it you know the conversation um, isn't just a conversation; it's a, now becoming a way of life, which is ideal.
1: And there's so many tools like our aura rings, the Gucci aura ring, um, which we're both wearing right now, that just really changes the game because you're able to monitor and you're able to kind of track down your health, right? And I know that you're a huge Aura fan and you um, basically wear it all the time. So can you share about your kind of story and how that has helped you too? Yeah,
0: I've been with Aura for a long time because I really feel it's important to have a balance in life. Um, You know, I tend to be an overachiever. I like to work hard and I tend to um, burn the candle at both ends. So I, I have a hard time relaxing and um, de-stressing myself, and so I like being able to check, you know, my readiness score and my HRV score, and seeing how well I'm recovering, and knowing when, like, okay, I need to pull back a bit. I need to, you know, maybe not travel as much. I need to not work out as much, or I need to do the opposite. I need to work out more um, because I am really stressed. You know, it's it's finding it's getting that information so I can find a way to live a more balanced,
1: healthier life. Yeah, I mean, I think it's all about finding that balance and although it's really hard to find the perfect balance, I don't really believe that there is true balance in life.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's always a struggle. It's it always is. like a roller coaster and you're always trying your best. But I think the more I always I always feel as a person, as an athlete, that the more information you have about yourself, the better you can adapt. Yeah. So it's adapting to your lifestyle and what's going on and you know, your emotions, your mental and physical well being. It's like if you have more information to help keep things as balanced as possible,
1: I think that is really helpful. And sleep is such an integral part of like everyone's lives, but I would imagine for especially athletes as well. So it's almost like for me with my aura, at least it, it shows me like, okay, you didn't get as good of a sleep this night, it's probably because like I was on my phone up until like the wee hours and that's why I probably could. So it just shows you an information where you're able to kind of make better choices, right?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, my heart rate and HRV are really good indicators as to like how stressed I am or if I may have had a couple too many cocktails. Like my heart rate's really high. It's like my readiness score is low. It's like you need to chill out. I'm like, yep, I kind of know I need to chill out. But you know, it's just it's interesting because sometimes I think, hey, I'm doing okay. Like I I feel really good, and then I look at my numbers and I'm like, maybe I things my how much I'm working is catching up to me. I need to slow down, and and it tells me that even before I can feel it
1: sometimes. And something tells me that you are a workaholic.
0: Oh, but slightly, (laughs) slightly. I've only been in five states in seven days, but you know,
1: it's good. (laughs) Yeah. And someone like you who just have, has all these goals and I'm kind of like this as well. You just kind of go, 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 go. And and until the point where you're like, oh, I'm not okay. Yeah. And by that time, it's usually too Too late, late. right? Yeah. You hit a wall
0: and, you know, again, it's like finding the balance so you don't hit the wall. So you don't go to extremes, you know? So
1: maybe that's the balance, which is like not burning out. (laughs) Exactly. I think that's a good way to put it. Exactly. So what was the most challenging part of your career? Was it after your retirement? Was it during that time? What was it for you? Um, I mean, honestly, skiing was the
0: easiest thing in my life, you know, it was what brought me so much joy and so much passion and direction. You know, I love goals and working hard every day towards something um, and accomplishing those goals. And so when I retired, I think that was actually the hardest part for me. It wasn't the skiing. It was when I didn't have skiing anymore. And, um, mentally that was really hard for me. I think obviously physically I felt better cause I wasn't putting my knees through as much stress right. as I was before. But, um, mentally it took me like a year, a year and a half to really find my footing because, um, you know, it just, I, I needed something to engage me, to challenge me and to push me. And I, I was kind of lost, um, for a while. So I think Yeah, retirement was my biggest challenge.
1: I mean, I can only imagine how challenging that is. It's like when you have one goal in mind and all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, what do I do today? Yeah.
0: I mean, I I had business, like I had everything lined up and, you know, I knew what I, I knew technically what I was going to do, but I have this analogy for skiing. It was like my son and everything I did in my life revolved around it. You know, what time I woke up, what I ate, where I trained, when I trained, you know, what my travel schedule is, everything revolved around it. And then one day I woke up and I have no son. And like, I have all these planets and all roaming around. I'm like, "What direction am I going in? You know, yeah. what am I doing? And so, yeah, that was it was a really hard. It was a really hard time, but I'm happy that I'm on the other side of that. And I think a lot of, you know, um therapy was really good for me. just kind of talking through everything and processing it yeah, nice. was important.
1: I mean, therapy is such an important mm-hmm. integral part of my own life as well. Um, I went through a really hard time, um, personally, through a divorce. And it was, I wouldn't ha- I wouldn't be here with you if I didn't have my therapist. Yeah. And I think that is something that needs to be talked about more, is that you don't have to suffer alone, yeah. right? Well, I'm very happy that you're here. Thank you. I'm, yes. I'm very happy to be yes. here. With
0: you. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been divorced as well, so I feel yes. you. <laughs> yes.
1: I mean, it, it's challenging, um, you know, in different ways, but with anything, you come out stronger and better and wiser and more resilient. So I'm very, very grateful for that. Um, but I love that more women are talking about therapy and normalizing that because you have to prioritize your mental health. And so many times, at least with my kind of upbringing, it's like you could do it on your own. You could push through. But, you know, you could only do so much on your own. Right? Yeah, I really agree. I think it
0: takes a good support to system to be able to you know, feel positive every day. You know, it's it's not always easy and, you know, it's a, it's a work in progress. But when you have a therapist, you know, someone that's not your family, not your friends, someone that you can tell anything to, I think that makes a big difference. And of course, you still need friends and family to support you. Um, but when you have a therapist, I think that makes such a big difference. And again, to your point, I think women um, often don't, you know, want to talk about it or don't think that they should ask for help. And um, I think just therapy should—it's like a dentist or, you know, a doctor or a general practitioner. I think everyone should have a therapist. It's a doctor for
1: your mind. Yes. Right? Which is like any part of your body that needs to be trained. Any part. Like, people don't realize that it is such an integral part, and you should have, like, not daily, but at least, like, monthly check-ins if you can. I agree. With your doctor, with your mind doctor. Exactly. So I have to ask you, how did you transition from being an athlete to— now a businesswoman? I've kind of been
0: transitioning, honestly, my whole career in skiing. Um, you know, I've kind of had to manage sponsorships and appearances and interviews. I've been doing that, you know, kind of my whole professional life. Um, but, you know, obviously when I retired, things shifted and, you I think a lot of doors actually became open to me at that point, mm-hmm. mainly because I had more time. You know, when I was racing, I was always managing my training schedule and traveling and racing. Um, but when I retired, you know, I had so much more time. So I actually um, learned a lot more about venture capital. I did a little internship and um, did a Harvard class um, at wow. BEMS, and I, which was really helpful. So I kind of was in this process of learning and expanding my knowledge. and. Um, it's really exciting for me, you know, business is I think such a cool opportunity as a woman. I think there's not enough women in business, especially in venture capital, and so I like breaking into into fields where, you know, there's definitely a gap. Um but um but yeah, I think that's one thing in business that's that's difficult for me. It's unlike skiing where it's easy for me to manage, easier for me to manage, you know, my physical stress and strain whereas in business now I feel like I'm still working just as hard if not harder. But I can't manage my stress levels as well, and so I think with Aura, it's nice to just have numbers that I can see and say, okay, like you're definitely stressed out. You, you need to chill out. Um, where again, it's like easy when you're when you're working out, you get sore and you you need, know you need you to take tell. a break. Right. Yeah. Whereas you know in business, it's like I'm always on the go, so it's good to just you know make sure I'm keeping track of my my stress. And again, try to keep a little bit of a balance in my life. Yeah.
1: And you're right. It is harder to keep track. And I think a lot of people don't even realize that they're stressed because they just keep going because it's not like you have a sore muscle where you're like, right. okay, I need to stop now. Yeah. Um, But mental stress is a little bit harder to detect because- We've all gotten so used to it, to yeah, be honest. I know. Like, it's normal to be stressed out all the time, which is not healthy. 100%. No, definitely
0: not healthy. Definitely not healthy. <laughs>
1: um, but I love that you are just diving straight into things where a lot of women don't go, like venture capital. Um, I think I read the statistics somewhere, like less than—I mean, it might have changed now, but it's like less than 3% of funding goes to women. Yeah. And that's really great that you're, you know, kind of diving yourself into that and just learning a whole new field. Uh, yeah, it's been, it's been exciting. Like I've, I was kind of looking for something to
0: challenge me, um, you know, kind of similar to how skiing challenged me, where there's also a little bit of a adrenaline rush. Yeah. Um, so working in venture capital has been really exciting because, um, you know, obviously you're, you're, you're betting on, on startup companies and um, I'm advising, you know, funds and things like that and, People are relying on me for information and advice, and I, I like being under that kind of pressure. Yeah.
1: It's a fun challenge. You thrive under pressure, obviously. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Not path. everyone does, but you <laughs> obviously do. Yeah. I um, I,
0: I mean, I think for me in racing, it was always when the titles were on the line or, you know, it was the Olympics or world championships. I love those moments so much, and I don't get that anymore. So um, as much as I can challenge myself now in that way, I, I love, I love that high-pressure situation.
1: So what what does your day-to-day look like? I'm just curious now that, you know, um, you're not, like, fully skiing anymore. So are you, like, at a table doing work all day? Like, I'm just trying to picture you, like, at a desk as a (laughs) busy woman.
0: (laughs) Um, I think every day is different, and there's so many challenges. I mean... Right now, I've been doing a bunch of speaking engagements. I've been traveling across the country this week, um, and then working on the planes, you know. Um, but you know, I have like presentations that are due, and um, I'm trying to work out at the same time and um, be there for my dogs and my friends, which is really hard, but. I think mainly um, when I'm not traveling, I'm just at home, you know, doing Zoom calls. Unfortunately, we're still doing Zoom calls. (laughs) But, um, you know, I'm trying to be in person at things a lot more, which is nice. And I'm also, you know, trying to help um, the Olympic bid for Salt Lake City. So I'm going to meet with the International Olympic Committee president uh, next week. Um, So there's, there's a lot going on, I feel like, you know, between my book tour and... Um, you know, also working with NBC on the Olympics, mm-hmm. like, the last few months have been a bit crazy. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping they slow down a little bit. Okay. <laughs> My aura numbers are definitely <laughs> indicating it's time to take a little bit of a break.
1: Um, well, let's talk about that. When you do get those numbers and you're like, oh, I need to, like, slow down, do you have a strategy? Like, do you have, like, a go-to, I don't know, like, a plan Yeah. you do? I mean –
0: So when my HRV is low, which it's kind of weird, my HRV is usually pretty low, lower than I think most athletes. Um, But the other day it was 17 and I was like, Okay, I think this is a pretty bad number. I think that I need to, you know, reel it in a little bit. And, um, like, I guess in an instance where I would have normally worked out or taken a few more meetings, I just said, let's push it till next week. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, try to make decisions like that um, on the fly if I see numbers are really bad, which. They've been a little bad the last couple of
1: days, and with all the flying that you're doing, and yeah, yeah. But like,
0: so, so if I'm on a plane, I'll say, okay, like I'm not gonna work right now because that's gonna stress me out, and yeah. I just, you know, chill and maybe try to watch a movie or something and mm. try to relax if I can.
1: I'm with you. Like, I've had to force myself to watch movies on the plane because I'm like, okay, because I I have two daughters, so for me it's all about maximizing my time. Yes. So I'm like, okay, I have like 13 hours because I usually go to Europe. Um, I have 13 hours right now to get all the work done. And then by the time I get off, I'm, I'm like done with a whole day worth yeah, of work. Yeah. Yeah. But, but then you're tired. But then I'm tired yeah. and it messes up my entire schedule. So now I've learned to, to chill out. It's hard. It's like it's so it's hard. It's really hard
0: to chill. And actually I, I 100% agree with that. And I always feel like I'm missing out on something. Like when I'm on a plane, I feel like I have to work because I'm, I'm missing, I'm missing things. I'm missing things. And well, let's so. talk
1: about social media. Cause you did talk about social media a little bit in your book. Um, And just like in general with interviews I saw, how has social media kind of, I guess, either positively or negatively impacted you and kind of your mental health? Because I think it's a problem that a lot of kids, a lot of, not just kids, even people our age are going through, which is comparison, right? Yeah. I
0: mean... I don't know how kids are managing social media right now. I, I honestly do not envy them at all. I think when social media came out, you know, when I won the Olympics is kind of when Facebook was really taking off. Mm-hmm. Um, and at first it was like a shiny new toy. It's like, oh, this is awesome. I can share my story. And, you know, I won the Olympics. So everyone was super excited. And then it started to take a turn because, you know, for some reason, um, people were focused on my personal life and shifted from skiing and went into a really weird direction. And, um, and then social media became the outlet for everyone to comment on my life. Yeah. And I didn't really know how to handle it. And I've always generally had thick skin. You know, I've kind of gone my whole life with people telling me that I couldn't do things. Right. Um, so I was used to it in a way, but like the personal attacks were really difficult. Um, and then, you know, I, I think I just, at some point, I don't know remember when it was, but I just said, listen, this is who I am. If you like me, great. If you don't, I really, you know, yeah. don't care because I still have to live my life. Yeah. You know, I have to be myself and I never changed who I was for social media. And I think that's not the case with a lot of people, especially a lot of young people. You know, they want to you know, that comparison is there and they always want to be or think they need to be something that they're not. Mm. Um, And I think we just need to encourage everyone to be themselves. And that's what I do with my foundation. Mm. I really encourage kids to, you know, be confident in their own skin and, you know, not only accept who you are, but be proud of who you are. Mm. Um, And that's the only way I can
1: get through it because it's like sometimes it can just be so overwhelming. So overwhelming. And I remember reading somewhere where you said that, the body that gave you the ability to win all these championships, all all of a sudden, because now you're going to events and red carpets and like on social media, you started questioning your own body and started like becoming a little insecure with it, which is so crazy because when people look at you, they think, okay, she is probably the most confident person out there. So how... What happened there?
0: Yeah, I never really was insecure with who what my body looked like until I stepped onto a red carpet, and then I was like, I really don't look like anyone. You know, I'm twice or three times the size of most of these women. I'm taller. I'm wider. Like I just, it's not the same. And I start it started getting in my head, and I was like, well, maybe I need to lose weight, and you know, maybe I need to look this way, and. While I still was like who I was, I, I still had confidence issues and um, it took me a while to work through that. And, you know, I think it, it was like two or three years ago now where I was like, listen, I have stretch marks, like I have cellulite. Everyone on the planet pretty much does yeah. unless, you know, you've done other things to help yeah. you with that. But I mean, this is like who I am and I'm not afraid of that. You know, I just, I was sick of people commenting like you're supposed to be a champion skier and you've got cellulite. I'm like, Are you serious? Yeah, it was really it was really astounding. Like the comments that people make are like really I had a hard time even picturing someone saying that, you know, it's just and that's not even the worst of it. So I just was finally I posted a bunch of pictures of like my stretch marks, my cellulite, like my roles, and I was like, This is what I am, you know, and who cares? Like I work out for a living and like this is as good as I think I'm gonna be and I'm happy with that. Like my body has done so many amazing things for me and you know, like no one's perfect, who cares?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think rule of thumb is like never give attention to where it's not due, even yeah. like the haters and even though it's so noisy and you wanna say something, but you just ignore them and they eventually will go away because yeah. they're just trying to get under your skin, yeah, right? Exactly. And the reality is that sadly 90% Percent of what you see on social media it's is not real. Not real. No. And I think, at our age, we understand that and we could look at something and just take it as face value, right? And sometimes still, like, we're human and we'll still get into that mode of like, oh, wow, she looks great. Like, what am I doing? But then you could quickly check out of it. But then I'm thinking about kids, right? Like, I have a seven-year-old and a three-year-old and not that the the girls are on any apps right now, but I know eventually in their teens, they will. And I think to myself, like, how are they going to handle it, Right. And so I love that you're normalizing what a real woman looks like, what a, you know, your strengths or weaknesses, your depression, your anxiety, like all of that, because that is what is real. And I think the next generation, that's how we're actually going to lift them up and have them succeed, right?
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And I hope
1: you're, I
0: think your messaging is perfect. So I think your daughters are going to be great.
1: Oh, thank you. Um, Okay, so I want to know. If there is one piece of advice you can give the next generation of athletes, these young athletes that look up to you, what is that advice? I think it's pretty much
0: the same message of just believing in yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, be confident in who you are and what you're capable of. Um, My whole career, everyone told me that I couldn't, and I knew that I could, and I just kept fighting my way to the top. So I think kids just need to be empowered, from by themselves, um, from their parents, from their, fam- from their family, just encourage them to be who they are, and they will make it as far as they can. And whatever they make it to, that's perfect. Yeah. You know, it's like success is not measured by wins or losses; it's measured by putting in your personal best every day. And so, I just want to encourage kids to do that.
1: I really love that because I think so many people, especially this kind of next generation, including my kids, they they just want everything now, right? Yeah. And they, they want to <laughs> win now. Instant gratification. Instant gratification. But no, like it takes time. It takes, work. It takes work. You got to be patient. So what I've been doing, and I don't know if this is something that you can relate to uh, with like kind of the people that you talk to, the next generation, but I always encourage my girls like, not celebrating their wins because that's an obvious, right? But it's more about celebrating kind of how hard they've worked. Like, oh my God, you've yeah. worked so hard. Instead of like, if they get got 100% on a test, instead of being like, oh my God, you got 100%. Yeah. It's more of like, I hard. know you work so hard. Great job at just working so hard, right?
0: Yeah. I think that's the perfect way to approach it. Yeah, I think it's just empowering them to understand that hard work does pay off. And even if you don't get 100%, like you put the effort in and that's what counts. And also following through with that hard work. You know, nothing comes easy. Nothing good in life ever comes easy. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, to that point of instant gratification, you know, everyone thinks that they're going to make it You know, to the MBA and, like, you know, right out of high school. It's like that's not most likely going to happen, but that doesn't mean that that's a failure. Um, And nothing is going to be instantaneous. And you just have to keep working and working and working. And life is about working hard. You know, it doesn't end, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is a lot to be gained from that hard work. And um, I just hope kids stick to it and and don't give up
1: on themselves. Yeah, I agree. Now, to end it, I want to talk about our rings because... I keep staring at it and it's so chic. Fashion meets technology. This is kind of like my world of fashion, right? And I love it when they merge with technology and obviously with health, mental wellness, um, all of that. And I think that's the future really is like wearing things that actually could help and benefit um, your life and just like your, your wellness. And so... I love this design. It's really chic. <laughs> it, it is
0: very chic. I mean, I've been wearing the regular aura Ring for such a long time now. It's like, it's a part of like my, I wear it on the red carpet. I wear it everywhere in the gym, like wherever it is, I'm wearing it. Um, but, you know, I think it is where things are going, you know, technology and fashion don't have to be mutually exclusive, yeah. you know, and I think Gucci is very forward thinking and how they approach technology and how they approach partnerships and, it's pretty fun to see. I know it's been in the works for a long
1: time. So I'm so happy that I finally get to wear it. Yeah. Same. I'm never going to take mine off. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for spending this day with me. I'm just so inspired by your story and your messaging and, you know, uplifting the next generation. I think that's what we're all here for. So thank you for all the work that you do. Thank you. You too. You're a badass mom. Thank you. You're a badass dog mom.
0: (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's right, I have three great dogs. I'm a crazy dog lady. Thank you for listening. You can discover more about the Gucci X Aura Ring in the episode's notes.